Ireland's Classic Hits Radio. It is Trina Murray here and it is the home of the 80s and 90s. Do you know what? I'm weak right now because Johnny Logan is on the phone. Hiya, Johnny. Hiya, <laughs> I'm still getting over the weak remark. <laughs> Can I tell you, and I think I may have told you this many years ago, you were my first ever crush. Like, literally my first ever crush when I saw you on Eurovision in 1987. You must have been a real baby. I, I was. I was six. Six? Yeah. I'm mad about I, you. I, I used to have that effect on all six-year-olds, you know. <laughs> Absolutely mad about you. I think it was the white suit. There was something just so handsome about yeah, it. Yeah, like sort of, uh, it did things to me as well, you know. <laughs> For the last time, hold me now. Don't cry. Don't say you were just hold me now. So I'm still a fan to this day. So we were just talking about it in the office. We were like, Johnny Logan, yeah. I mean, but it's so weird, Trini. You know, this is like, I just did a, quite a big TV show there in Berlin two days ago, and I was uh, singing um, a medley of the Eurovision songs plus one of a new song I'd written. And they put and they they do all the TV shows I do. They they show a clip of me winning in 1980 in the white suit, this mm. young boy with the kind of the mullet haircut. And then the next one is the white, you know, the white suit from 1987 with the short hair. And then they they show, you know, I walk on stage now. And they have this this blonde, grey-haired blonde man with a goatee, with a grey goatee, you know. People just look, is that him? Is yeah. that him? He's still alive. You're still wearing <laughs> the white suits and still looking great, no, Johnny. No, uh, this is uh, very seldom I wear the white suit. Black is a very good colour for me. White is a nightmare to keep clean, let's be honest. <laughs> well, I just, that's uh, actually... The Abbey Museum borrowed the um, the white suit from 1987, and they had it in uh, Stockholm in their museum for about a, about two years. And the agreement was they could use it as long as they got the champagne stains out of it from '87. <laughs> so, so you're right, you know. I was just filling. In, I filled in some people there in the office a little bit of trivia about Eurovision, and uh, my former colleague Joan Lee was one of your backing singers back That's then. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Joan's a great singer. Yeah, like we we knew each other from the days back in the, uh, the Pink Elephant and that sort of thing. She used to sing down there with Paul Harrington of all people. Wow! Uh, like sort of Paul used to play the piano and uh, she sang there. Joan and um, and then Paul went on to win it with uh, Rock and Roll Kids. You know, must be something about the place. It's also connected. In the wine, you know? Yeah, also <sighs> connected, isn't it? Now another bit of trivia that I'm after discovering in the office uh, from Dan, who does our news and sport, and he is a massive, massive Bose fan. I know yes, you're we're a... top of the league. Well, yes, we, we went top of the top of the top of the league this year. Like sort of. <laughs> Do you know he said brilliant. he said ask Johnny about Bose being top of the league, and I didn't even have to. You were straight in there. <laughs> it's brilliant. Over the last years, through COVID and all this sort of thing, they've really like, struggled, that like, sort of thing. But uh, they've been playing great for the last season, two mm-hmm. seasons, you know. So they've got a load, like, a load of young players in who are playing brilliantly. And what's this about them playing? They play Hold Me Now when the players are going out onto the pitch? Uh, no, they sing it during the, like, when they score a goal at different times. But, you know, the fans keep singing songs all the way through. They're brilliant fans. fans in Trumps or something like this started sang a song sang their football song and then they started shouting at the to the uh, Bose fans sing your song 
sing your song and then some one of the Bose fans some of them started singing Hold Me Now and the uh, Norwegians joined in so since then I think it's been you know like sort of a song that they like they've made their own it's it's <laughs> it's such a compliment such a such an honour to be honest because every time I've gone to the matches they make me feel like they make me feel so so honoured like to be part of their their family you know Do you know what I love about you Johnny so many people you know when you when they're known for a particular song or they're known for the songs that you are known for and they hate talking about those particular ones. They go, oh, I've got a new album. Or, you know, they, they don't like talking about the past, but you really, you don't mind talking about... Well, you see, the past has never let me alone. Yeah. I, if I went onto a stage now and, and sang and I did a show without singing Hold Me Now, they'd probably lynch me, yeah. you know. But, uh, you know, there's lots of other things that I've done in my life, lots of things that I'm very, very proud of, some that I'm not so proud of. I've made some great records and... Normally, when I do a show, I'm, I'm in Vicar Street on the 1st of September. I think that's what we're going to talk about at some yes, point. Yes, we are. But, uh, the, um, I'm working with the Hugh G. McCarthy Band, and 90% of the show is original. But the thing is, the audience, I'm under no illusion. The audience come there to hear Once Another Year and hold me now. And to, you know, because those songs don't just belong to me. They belong to everybody now. Mm. You know, they have memories for everybody. You said, you know, like six years old when you like sort of saw me win and probably would hold me now, to be honest. Mm. But it's, uh, you've got the memory of that when you were six. I know. Song, that song belongs to you because it takes you back to that time as well. Yeah, and you still and like... it's the same with everybody. Yeah, and I still know every lyric. Isn't it funny? You just remember the lyrics so clearly as well. well I'm getting to the age where I'm starting to forget. Them. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, Johnny, not at all. Um, we mentioned there about this show. This is going to be uh, for one night only at Vicker Street. So yeah, I'll be there in the front row, Johnny, yeah. going, yoo-hoo, it's me. But <laughs> <laughs> will you really only be doing one night, yeah? I, I, can, o- I can only do one. Yeah. I'm in uh, Belgium on the 3rd. Okay. On the 3rd of September, so I have to fly the next day. I, I'd love to do more, but like, unfortunately, it's just, it's unreal. I mean, just it's not that COVID is over. It, it seems to be sort of pushed. We seem to be getting our lives back. And as soon as that happened, um, last year was one of the busiest years I think I ever had. Mm. And the end of it, and I thought I was going to take it easy this year because I'm not getting any younger either. Oh, but Johnny, don't. The, um, Keep going. This going, yeah. I've got more people, all my musicians keep saying the same thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, like even in the last week, I did uh, Copenhagen, Berlin. I'm in Munich, and then uh, and I fly on from there to uh, Tel Aviv. And after Tel Aviv, I'm back in Dublin again for a few days, I hope, yeah. before I start work in Belgium. I have 21 concerts that I have to do there. Wow. But the thing is, uh, you know, like... This year has completely become crazy again. I was hoping to take it a lot easier, but the diary is already full, you know. Mm. It's funny how popular you are all around Europe. I mean, really, the Germans should hate you because you beat them in the Eurovision in 1980. 15 points, wasn't it? Trina, not just did I beat them, but the guy who wrote the song that came second in what in 1980 when I won with Watson of the Year, his name was Ralph Siegel. He wrote a song called uh, Catch Us by... Katja Epstein called Theatre, which came second. And in 1987, a group called Wind came second from, uh, from Germany. And the writer of the song was Ralph Siegel. Stop. And I met him in 1992 when uh, Why Me, when I wrote Why Me, and Linda sang it to the first place in, um, in Malmo. And he was the German songwriter in there. He said, if he ever saw me in another Eurovision, he'd kill me. (laughs) (laughs) He said said that to me outside. This reminds me. We're good friends, though, you know. This reminds me of that Will Ferrell movie about the Eurovision. (laughs) He's desperate to win the Eurovision. Do you know something? I've watched that thing. I watched that thing just out of curiosity. And there must be something wrong with me. I think that the. the song that they sang was better than some of the ones that sort of um, <laughs> things that I've heard in the Eurovision over the last few years. I've been praying such a long time 
I think isn't there to have a Eurovision no, winner? No, there's not. This is that's that's you know there, there there can be. You're right that there can be, but the reality of it is, what's another year was written for Shea Healy. You know, Shea, Shea wrote it about his father trying to get over the death of his mother, mm-hmm. trying to find a reason to keep on living. It wasn't written for the Eurovision. Hold Me Now was written by me, and it was nothing to do with the Eurovision. It was at a time very particularly rough time in my life, and it was also at a time when I realised that uh, nobody else was going to write songs. You know, that, that tested me as a singer. And, uh, you know, I had to do something for myself. So I told me now was the second song that I wrote in a bunch of songs. Uh, but it wasn't written for the Eurovision. It was written to be a single. And why me? I, I wrote uh, for my wife, Ailish. You know, like sort of just uh, trying to understand how anybody could uh, put up, like sort of with the kind of life that I lead. And I still be so unselfish in this sort of thing. And such a great person. Yeah. And that none of the songs were actually written for the Eurovision. What I did was I adapted them for the Eurovision, for the arrangements. I cut them down from five minutes to six, you know, to five minutes, six minutes to three minutes, which they have to be in the Eurovision. But I think maybe that's why they were winners. And that's why they've stayed. People still remember them because they were really, really great songs. And they weren't written for the Eurovision. They were written as songs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some of one of the... Uh, misconceptions with the Eurovision. I think there's so many different songs in the Eurovision. There's so many, you know, I, I said when I heard Wild Youth, that's a really good song. And I've heard The Boys Are Great. But they're already in a contest when they're there. I'm going to Israel and I believe the guy's going to be there. And out of the five acts that I know that are performing there, three of them are boy bands. Okay. You know, and yeah. that's, that's what the Eurovision is going to be like. And then you'll have a load of rock bands because the Italians winning with a rock band. And the thing is that people just catch on to that and they try to think there's a formula and they go after it. Whereas the best thing that you can do is try and find something original because that will stand out from the crowd. they don't win uh, Wild Youth it is fantastic exposure isn't it I mean how many viewers are there on it Eurovision is, there's, there's, there's hundreds of millions of people and I wish them really wish the boys the best and like sort of the lead singer's got a charisma and the song is a good song the boys should do really well I hope mm. but you know the thing is that ultimately there's only one winner if you're in the top three then you know like sort of I think in when Conchita first won with um, in Copenhagen, because I was there at the time, uh, when Conchita won with um, Rise Like a Penis. Uh, sorry, Rise Like a Phoenix. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Freudian oh, slip. Johnny. Sorry, Freudian slip. I did that on the BBC, and, uh, and the guy just, the guy was crying with laughter. He couldn't talk, and it was just after, after she'd won. But the thing is, uh, after that song won, Rise Like a Phoenix, okay, do it properly. 
And um, but the song that came second was by a Dutch group called the Common Linnets, and that was "Calm After the Storm." That became a much bigger hit. That's you know still being played on the radio in Germany and and uh, different countries around Scandinavia and that as well. You can get a hit record out of it, and you can build a career on it. But the two things that you need is first of all you need a really good song, and the second is you need a, a good organisation around you ready to go as soon as you as soon as you perform to capitalise on the moment. Mm-hmm. Would you do it again, Johnny? they can't get a white suit to fit me anymore. I'd have to get a white Zimmer frame to go out. The reality is, Trina, is that the Eurovision um, would take up three, four months, and I don't think I could do that. Mm, yeah, But you did do a telly show recently, The Mass Singer in Belgium. Yeah, I performed as a reindeer. <laughs> yes, you do, yeah. I, I was dressed as a reindeer, and the, the second antlers, the size of the head that was on it, the head was so heavy that they had to connect it to a body brace and it took an hour and a half to put it on no way. before I sang each night and it was it was a nightmare but it was work and you know paid well and it was it was in uh, Antwerp during the time of the Eurovision so I was able to go up to do performances at the Eurovision in Rotterdam and things like this so yeah. it was uh, it was you know really worth doing I lived in uh, Antwerp for six weeks when I was doing it the production the people involved in the show were lovely all the other artists I was just I just met uh, the girl who won the thing Camila uh, she's I met her in Berlin she had a hit record there last a couple of months ago a very big hit record in, in Belgium I've got a hundred million reasons to walk away but baby I just need one good one do you understand? Can you speak the lingo then when the judges are talking? I to can you? speak a little bit of Dan. No, no, not at all. No, I sort of, you know, like sort of, I just, I just nod my antlers each time that sort of, <laughs> and like sort of, they, they had some moves from TikTok they were trying to get me to do, which I kept refusing to do. Oh. <laughs> you know, so, 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 they were going you know, to try and put people off on who it was, but it was a very, the 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 costume was incredible. Yeah, and it was it really you know because I won the second Eurovision, hold me now in Brus in Belgium. It kind of re relaunched my career again in Belgium, and it's mm. uh, you know at the moment I have so much work in Belgium and Holland, it's unreal. I'd say you were sweating, were you in that in that big mass in the, it was in the Andalusia? Unreal. I mean, they had to stick a straw. There was little netting underneath the chin, and they could they stick a straw through there. And it would, uh, I'd, you know, try and find it with my teeth and pull it into my mouth and then drink, sip water whenever I could because I was dehydrating. And it was live. The vocals were live. Yeah. And uh, it was really weird singing inside that head because, uh, you know, you could hear your heart beating and your your breath. It was quite claustrophobic, you know. I remember when the idea came out for that show a few years ago and I'm talking about it on the radio and I was wondering, how on earth is this show going to work? And it really does. It's bri- yeah. It's a brilliant show for all the family, well, I think, for, for children, for the parents, for the grandparents. Every, every generation can enjoy it. As Louis Walsh used to say to me, once you're working... <laughs> Once you're working. <laughs> well, it's been brilliant catching up with you, Johnny. Lovely, and lovely I, talking to you. And I still fancy you after all these years. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. And maybe somebody there could give you the address of a close of spec savers, you know. <laughs> but just, listen, please, uh, can I say congratulations both for going on top and also uh, say hello to all your listeners and sort of um, I hope they're all doing well. Great. And we'll see you there at Vicker Street on the 1st of September, Johnny. I'll be there in the front brilliant, row. Trina. See you then. And Thanks, Millie. Sort of, you'll, you'll be the one with a picture of you as a six-year-old. That'll be me. Okay. All right. Okay. See you, Johnny. Good luck. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye, Trina. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye Isn't he fabulous? It's Ireland's Class Kids Radio.